You're listening to episode 193 of the Pastor Writer Podcast, conversations on reading, writing, and the Christian life. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. Well, let me wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year's. It's hard to believe that we are already in the week between the two holidays. The year is almost to a close. This will be the final episode of 2022, and as has become the tradition, I always like to wrap up the year by reflecting on the books that I've read. If you listen all the way through the episode, I'll encourage you to do the same. It's really an interesting exercise to go back through your Amazon cart or your Audible library and take a look at the books you've read over the last 12 months. What are the ones you're still thinking about, the ones that have perhaps shaped your thinking, maybe even your own faith? Uh, It's a good way to reflect back on the year and also a good way to think about the year ahead. What books are coming up? What reading will you accomplish in the next year? And how will it affect the 12 months ahead? As I said at the beginning, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's. Hope you enjoy this episode. Well, just before recording this episode, I went back and looked at the past episodes. This is episode 193, and if you go all the way back to episode one of the Pastor Writer podcast, well, 2023 will now be the fifth year of the podcast. Hard to believe it's been going that long, and I just wanted to say thank you to all of you who have been listeners, some of you faithful listeners for a long time. It's become a bit of a tradition to spend the last episode of each year looking back on my favorite reads from the past 12 months. This time of year, just about everyone is putting out lists of their favorite reads, top books, awards. I've been seeing a lot of them going around, and it's always a lot of fun to be able to contribute to that list as well. What I want to offer you are the 10 books that have impacted my thinking most this past year. They aren't necessarily the best books I read or even the most important books I read, but they're the books that I've been thinking about the most that have shaped my life, my thinking, and my faith over the last 12 months. So, As I did the exercise of looking back over all the books I've read, these were the ones that stood out as books that really had an impact. This year has been really unique for me, especially when it comes to my reading. If you're a regular listener, you know this past March of 2022, I released my first published book, The Five Masculine Instincts. There's been a lot of new work around that book, work that I wasn't normally doing in the years before. I've been blessed to do over 60 interviews from podcasts and radios to live in Times Square for Good Morning America. I've been able to speak at several retreats and join a ton of men's groups over Zoom, which has been a blast to do. It's been an incredible experience, and I owe a ton of that success to you as listeners. I'm fully aware that most of those first purchases, and probably still many of them, are coming from you. You were the ones to review the book and share the book first, and it's because of you I've had all these incredible opportunities, and I really, really am thankful for it. As I was thinking back over this year, it was one of the first things that came to my mind, how blessed I am to have this podcast, but all of you as listeners who are so willing to not only engage this content, but pick up books that we feature on the show and also pick up the book that I published this year as well. The truth is, all that extra work around the book has cut into my reading over the last 12 months. Also, I've been slowly working on book number two. I have a proposal together, and I've actually been working on some chapters over the last few months for that, which hopefully I'll be able to share more about in 2023. I did a ton of reading for the five masculine instincts. There's actually a Goodreads list that you can go back to and search, and you can see all of the books that shaped that project. And similarly, I'm putting a lot of reading into this next book, this next project. So a lot of the things, a couple of them on the list, and a lot that didn't make the list are around book number two. 
Also, I'm currently in the middle of a doctorate of ministry program. I've had a few of my fellow classmates who are writers on the podcast recently, so you may have heard us talk about it. For that program, there's been a lot of assigned reading, and we've each been working on a book-length project in addition to the writing that I normally do. I've actually been working for the last year and a half on a novel. Who knows what will come of it? It may never see the light of day, but it's been a great opportunity to challenge myself as a writer and do something different than the work that I normally do. So I've been doing a lot of reading, the assigned reading for that program. I've been reading a lot more novels than I normally do and a lot of books on writing fiction this past year as well. A few of those may show up in my list. Well, with all of that required reading, I've still managed to find some time to pick up books just for the podcast, just for my own enjoyment. And I've got some really good ones to share with you, some that I've really, really enjoyed this year. And I'm excited for possibly you to pick up in the year ahead. So what follows is my list of 10 books with a brief description of why I've they've made the list. So in no particular order, let's get into the list. Book number one, The Power of Place, Choosing Stability in a Rootless Age by Daniel Grothy. I had a chance to interview Daniel a few months ago, and his book was one that was really important to me this past year. Daniel writes about the value of staying and laying down roots in a place, though he acknowledges that God often moves us, moving can be a part of God's plan. Wherever we end up finding ourselves, we should value that place and be willing to cultivate contentment there. Never before has it been easier for us to go wherever we wanted, to imagine some better life someplace else and to bloat everything up and just move there, something previous generations didn't really have access to. And yet, never before have we been so restless and insecure about our identity and where we belong. Daniel understands the problem and offers a powerful and I think an artful urge to find more in the place that you are currently in. I highly recommend his book. Plus, Daniel's just a great writer, so I think you'll enjoy it. Book number two, The Truth and Beauty, How the Lives and Works of England's Greatest Poets Point the Way to a Deeper Understanding of the Words of Jesus by Andrew Clavin. Last year, I included the book, as many, many people did, Carl Truman's book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Truman spent much of that book tracking the sources of our individualism, and he often turned to the works of the romantic poets, romantic writers. Clavin's book was a chance to explore those romantic poets in greater detail. The period of romanticism was not one that I spent a lot of time reading in school or even in seminary. I'm increasingly convinced, though, that much of our current thinking and our sense of identity flow out of those writers and their shifting ideas about the source of truth and identity. Some of it is for good, but a lot of it, I worry, has been for ill. Clavin's book helps expose me to the background world for many of those romantic writers, their own story and history, and why they were producing the work they were. I also had a chance to interview Clavin on the podcast, and I found it to be a really interesting conversation. He's a fascinating guy, a novelist as well. So if you didn't get a chance, pick up the book and listen to that episode. Book number three, Rembrandt in the Wind, Learning to Love Art Through the Eyes of Faith by Russ Ramsey. My wife and I have always enjoyed art museums and art documentaries. We're sort of into art, although neither one of us are particularly good at it. So I was really excited to learn about Russ's new release, an entire book, not just on art, but thinking about faith and spirituality through the lens of art. It's a great read for anyone who loves art, if that's an interest you already have, but I think it's more than just that. Russ not only teaches you how to think about art, how to look at a piece of artwork and evaluate it, but he also fills in the backgrounds of the artist's lives. Sometimes knowing just a little bit about the time period and the life of the artist helps illuminate their work, helps you understand what it is they were doing. Russ's book, Rembrandt in the Wind, offers background material for some of the world's greatest works of art and the artists who produce them. But it also asks spiritual questions and offers spiritual reflections that emerge from those pieces of art. 
get the print book. Uh, there is an audio book, but the print book includes the images. Otherwise, you'll look them up. And uh, I think you'll really enjoy going chapter by chapter through those stories and those works of art. Number four, I Saw Satan Fall Like Lightning by Rene Girard. I've been reading a lot of Rene Girard this year. It was hard to figure out which book would be the best book to start if you weren't familiar, but I do think it's this book, I Saw Satan Fall Like Lightning. Though I'm not convinced by all of Girard's arguments, particularly his ideas around the atonement and what was accomplished on the cross, his foundational theories about mimetic desire and rivalry have been massively influential on my thinking and writing this year. Gerard was a French Catholic polymath. He basically studied and wrote on just about every topic. He began his work in literature, but quickly began to write on anthropology and sociology and religion. His core idea is that all desire is imitative. We don't desire things for their own value. We desire them because we see someone else desiring them, and so we imitate someone else's desire. He explores that idea of mimetic, imitative desire uh, to, to great length, and I think it's really interesting and convincing. In 2023, you'll probably see some blog posts on my blog uh, about Gerard's work, or at least him being referenced, because it's really been impacting my thinking. His books have been a big help in my next book project, so it certainly will show up there. And I think I Saw Satan Fall Like Lightning is a good place to get started with his thinking if you're unfamiliar. Book five, One True Sentence, Writers and Readers on Hemingway's Art by Mark Serino. I've been reading a lot of Hemingway the last few years. Part of it's been the novel work that I've been doing. If you go back to past book lists from the previous years, there's probably a Hemingway novel on just about each of them. One of my favorite podcasts that I listen to every week is the One True Sentence podcast. The show has conversations with great writers, some famous writers, as well as educators and college professors on the work of Ernest Hemingway. This year, those episodes got compiled into a print book entitled One True Sentence. It's a reference to a piece of Hemingway writing advice that to write, you just need to write one true sentence and then you can go on from there. Ken Burns offered the introduction to this book. And if you haven't seen his four-part documentary series on Hemingway, I would highly recommend it as well. I also this year, in addition to finishing up all of uh, Ernest Hemingway's nonfiction novels and short stories, I read uh, Mary V. Dearborn's Ernest Hemingway, A Biography, which was also really interesting. So a lot of Hemingway, but I've just about finished everything Hemingway has written, so maybe there'll be a little bit less Hemingway in the 2023 book list. Book number six, My Side of the Mountain by Jean Craighead George. Did you ever read My Side of the Mountain when you were a kid? It was one of the books I read as a child and absolutely loved. My son Will is now eight, and we decided this year we would tackle that book. We've sort of been reading through some adventure books. I'd read for a few pages, and he's finally at the age where he would take a page and read maybe one or two as well. It was a lot of fun, and it inspired some camping in our backyard, and he had carefully dog-eared all the pages with advice on how to build or make or cook things outdoors. These adventure stories we've been reading, several of lately, have included also The Hatchet by Gary Paulson. Perhaps that was one you read as a kid. Will has also taken off on his own reading this year, which has been a lot of fun to watch. He's really into the Magic Treehouse series by Mary Pope Osborne, uh, if you're looking for some good recommendations for eight-year-old sons. Book seven, C.S. Lewis, A Life, Eccentric Genius, Reluctant Prophet by Alistair E. McGrath. 2022 was definitely a C.S. Lewis year for me. Of course, most years I end up picking up or at least turning to one of Lewis's works, but this year I've been reading several books on C.S. Lewis's life and how he approached his work. I'm thinking about doing a multi-episode podcast series in 2023 where we just, for an extended number, maybe four or five episodes, just look at C.S. Lewis and his work. If that's something you're interested, uh, let me know and I'll definitely make sure we get to it. 
There have been many books recently released on Lewis and how he produced his work that I think would make for interesting conversations. I listened to the audiobook version of McGrath's biography, listening to portions of it while I was actually in Oxford this past fall. I got to see Lewis's old office, I got to worship at his college chapel where he participated, and I got to visit his home at the Kilns, which was an amazing experience. Lewis continues to prove for me to be amazingly foresightful and prophetic, understanding our time even ahead of it. How can Lewis not make the list again this year? He certainly has in the past, and he probably will in the future, too. Book 8, The Ethics of Authenticity by Charles Taylor. Probably the most challenging book that I've included on the list, it certainly was for me, but Charles Taylor continues to pop up in all of the footnotes and quotes of a lot of Christian books that I've been reading this year. A modern Canadian philosopher, Taylor has been helping pastors and writers and academics better understand the secular age that we now live in, how the world has changed and how it may continue to change. One of the core aspects of the secular age that Charles Taylor articulates is his emphasis on individuality and what he calls the ethic of authenticity. This book is one of Taylor's shortest. It's actually significantly shorter than most of his other books, and it's helped me better understand how individual self-expression has become a kind of ethical framework, why we actually value authenticity in our concept of morality. If you're familiar with Taylor's work, I'd recommend adding the ethics of authenticity to your reading list. I think it'll be helpful in understanding Taylor, helpful in understanding our current age, and it's probably one of his most accessible works if you're looking for a place to start. Book 9, Several Short Sentences About Writing by Verlin Klinkenborg. I wanted to make sure and get a craft writing book on this list. I've read several, but really enjoyed several short sentences. It was highly recommended by the novelist Leif Inger, so I was anxious to read it and had high expectations, and I think it was a great read. An editor once told me that good writing is good thinking. I don't know if I would have been able to write without that piece of advice. I never considered myself a great writer, but I always thought I could at least think my way to something better. Too much about writing gets romanticized and sentimentalized. Writing is hard, and at its most foundational level, it requires honesty and critical thinking, hard thinking about the work you've produced, but also what you're writing about. Klinkenborg seems to approach writing from the same way. This book is certainly not romantic ideas or inspiration for writing. It's more nuts and bolts, and it really is about how to think about the writing you're, you're doing. He'll help you think more deeply, more critically about the writing you're producing, and about the act itself, what it is the writer is setting out to do. If you're into writing, if you're looking for a new writing book, I think it's a good one. Book 10, Notes from Underground by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Let's wrap up the list with a classic. I worked through Notes from Underground this past year and found it challenging, strange, and incredibly insightful. I'm not sure any writer has ever understood human nature more than Dostoevsky. Writing from another time and place, Russia in the mid-1800s, Dostoevsky somehow manages to capture much of the disillusionment and the insecurity and the nihilism of our own day. Having worked through and written so much this last few years about what's plaguing men today, Dostoevsky seems to have understood that malaise more than a hundred years ago. It's not an easy read, but if you're interested or trying to challenge yourself with some of the classics, anything Dostoevsky has written is worth it. Again, Notes from the Underground is shorter than some of his novels, but just as insightful, and I think it's a great, interesting place to start. Well, that's my list for the year. 
plenty more could have made the list. It could have been much longer, but I tried to limit it to 10. Uh, as I was reading through many of the romantic poets, I spent some time in Wordsworth and Coleridge in particular this year. I also really enjoyed Emily St. John Mandel's Station Eleven novel. Uh, I liked Alan Noble's You Are Not Your Own, a great Christian book. And uh, I worked on the classics like uh, Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse-Five and Joseph Conrad's Typhoon. All of those could make honorable mentions, but I was disciplined and kept myself to 10 books as I promised. Really, though, what I'm interested in as we wrap up is what you've been reading. It's actually really helpful to go back through your Amazon orders, your Audible library, and think about what you read this past year. What books are you still thinking about? What books, when you see them, remind you of something important you learned from them, which are still having an impact on maybe your spiritual life? And then the next question is, what are you planning on reading in 2023? Are there areas you would like to focus on? Maybe a particular author you would like to work through all of their writing or a certain topic that you want to dig into? This week between Christmas and New Year's makes for a great time to maybe spend some of those gift cards you got and plan out some reading that's coming in the months ahead. I'm looking forward. We've got some great conversations with guests in 2023. I can't wait to bring you those books and those conversations and to once again wish you Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. See you in 2023. Well, as always, you can find show notes by going to pastorwriter.com. I've got a link to each of the books that I mentioned, so uh, feel free to jump on there and click over. And if you want to pick one up, you'll find a link to be able to do it. Also, if you had a chance to read The Five Masculine Instincts this past year, I would love for you to leave a review uh, where you can do it wherever you bought the book. Amazon, of course. I think on Amazon, I'm closing in on 100 reviews. So it'd be a great gift for the end of the year if we could cross that line. If you enjoyed the book, even if you didn't, just an honest review is always appreciated. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you.